Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. All right. Let's, we can clap. Thank you, Sarah. That's good. <laughs> oh, man. Again, my name is Nate. I'm the lead pastor with my wife, Mael. And I just got to give a quick shout out to Sisterhood. Wasn't that incredible on Friday night, ladies? Uh, one of the reports I got that um, there was a lady that was healed that my prayed for. Her leg was healed during the event. Just amazing what God's doing. Isn't that incredible? Um, and before we get too much longer, our, in case you're wondering, where did all the students go? They're on winter retreat uh, right now. And I talked to Pastor Jason. They've had a great time. Uh, but apparently the bus is stuck at Biggs Junction. So um, let's just pray for them. Shall we pray for them? I think we should. So, Father, right now we lift up our students, God, the bus driver, Lord. I pray for safety. I pray for protection. And any parent that's in this room that has anxiety, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. And we ask, God, that you would give us confidence, faith, and trust. Keep them safe. Keep them healthy. I pray everyone will return. And uh, most of all, that we would see the transformation that has begun in these kids' lives, that they would bear much fruit in the season to come. And we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week was an amazing week. We talked about our vision, presenting hope, loving God, and developing people. Isn't it amazing how we could say something over and over and we tend to forget? We, we tried uh, to remember as best we can. You know, remembering things is one of the great challenges in life, is it not? From birthdays to anniversaries, some of you are like, oh no, what's the, oh right. Uh, how about where you park your car? I had a friend, we went to, now this is, maybe this is dating me, I don't know, but I used to go to Mariner Games in the Kingdom. Anybody been to the Kingdom? Remember that? They used to, this uh, amazing dome up in Seattle. And one time, one of my friends, uh, we, and, and us, we all went to the Mariner game, and his aunt was visiting out of town, and she had parked her car in the garage, and uh, we all left and went home, and I found out later that the aunt was, uh, was still at the, at the parking garage looking for her car. We had all left. And so she's looking, and the way that, the, if you've been to the, or if you remember this, the way that it worked, there was rounds and rounds and rounds, and you kind of just keep going. Well, um, she was convinced that it was on this certain level, and so she was looking, looking, couldn't find it. So she went and got security, and they looked and looked and looked. So they ended up calling the police, filing a report. Her car was stolen, and it was just this huge bummer, huge fiasco. They finally, and by the way, this is before cell phones, so they had to go find a landline and call this family. They had to come all the way back from, from Kent, Washington, back up to uh, the, the kingdom. And they were actually at the, the, where the security place was, was at one of the top levels. So they drove all the way up, picked her up. And as they're going down, 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 all the way to the bottom, as they're getting ready to pull out, she says, there's my car. 
We've all had things happen to us like that, haven't we? We should remember what's most important, but just life happens, doesn't it? And today, I just want to remind us, number one, that Jesus is still on the throne. He's still in charge. Finances, predictions, politics, marriages, relationships, all of those things that we tend to worry and fret and fear, I want to remind you, you have a king who's in charge. He's not far away. He's close. He's with you. He's for you. Therefore, we have faith and confidence in Jesus' name. Amen? That's why we can stand up here and say, love God, present hope, and develop people. And we're not going to forget it. We're going to repeat it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to live it. Why? Because we have a tendency to forget. And not only that, we actually have an enemy who's trying to not just get you to forget, but he's actually trying to get you to be divided. And his tactic has really taken off in our culture, hasn't it? In fact, we hear this term a lot now. It's called cancel culture. You say the wrong thing at the wrong place at the wrong time, wrong post, and next thing you know, your show's canceled, your friends are canceled, your job's canceled. And what ends up happening is people start living in a fear that they will be canceled. Do you know that I talk to pastors that tell me if they preach certain parts of the gospel, they're afraid they'll be canceled? I talk to friends of mine that are afraid if they say the wrong thing to the wrong person, they will no longer have that relationship anymore. In fact, I talked to some of the people in the congregation here that you're afraid to talk to some of your kids or grandkids about certain topics because they may cancel you. Anybody with me? You see, cancel culture is actually just another tactic of the enemy because Satan has come to steal kill and destroy your family, to destroy you, your marriage, your kids. And one of the primary ways he does it is simply through conflict. And I want to remind you that conflict actually is normal. I'm like, really? Yes. Have you ever put toddlers in a room? <laughs> Adults in a room? I heard one guy say, whether two or three are gathered in my name, conflict is present. <laughs> and sometimes I think as Christians, we forget that even Jesus was not afraid of conflict. When things need to be stopped, when things need to be said, he would actually rise up. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating, the, the story where Jesus flips the tables because people were doing things that they shouldn't be doing in the temple. There's this part where it says that he sits over and he makes a whip. Do you know how long it takes to make a whip? I don't either, but I'm sure it's a few seconds at least. It takes some time. In other words, he didn't just act or react out of a, like a knee-jerk thing. He was thinking about how he was going to correct these people. And I just want to remind us that we can handle conflict in a godly way. But the worst thing that we can do is avoid it. The worst thing we could do is passive aggressiveness. Hello. 
but to actually assert through godly values what it is that we're supposed to say and do according to God's word. And I want to remind you of who you are. You are a son and daughter of the king if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Therefore, it is actually your responsibility to partner with the right spirit. You see, the Bible says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what spirit will I partner with in this conversation? You see, the only way that we can have unity in the body of Christ is when we're anchored in Jesus Christ. The only way that we can have unity is through Jesus Christ. Now, as I'm saying this, there's a lot of us here, man, I feel that tension. Does anybody else feel that tension? When you've got things pulling one way or the other way and you've got people who believe this and say that and there's real things that we're struggling with, how are we supposed to biblically respond in a way that would bring honor, honor to God but somehow have unity in the body of Christ? Has anybody ever struggled with that? If we're breathing, we have. Well, I've got good news for you. We're not the first ones to struggle with it. In fact, in Ephesians, in our verse today, if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians 2. The Apostle Paul actually speaks directly to this issue. And my prayer is today, as we continue our series on being anchored, that as you go through this, this message today, as we talk about it, I just want to simply encourage you with this. That Jesus has a plan for reconciliation. Jesus has a plan for unity. Jesus has a plan for you and for me to be united under him. And here's what it looks like. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to pick it up in verse 11. And it says this. Don't forget you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Okay, so some people, maybe if you're newer to church or you're not a Christian and maybe you haven't read this before, what is a Gentile? So here's what a Gentile is. If you are not Jewish, Guess what? You are, we're all lumped into Norwegians, hello, Swedes, I don't know, whatever nationalities in this house. There's a lot of us in this house. I love it. I love the diversity in our church. But basically, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile, and therefore, you are considered an outsider. Now, check out what happens. You are called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies. Now this is critical and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. That's why we, as a church at Portland Christian Center, we are committed to presenting hope because we have hope. You can't give what you don't have. Because we have hope in Jesus, we can present hope. But now you have been united with Christ once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? I have a friend that um, I just met, and as we were talking, he told me that this year he's celebrating 30 years of being sober. Isn't that amazing? 
And after we were talking, he started talking to me about how he was lost and he was broken, but Jesus saved his life. He was far away from his family. He was far away from his kids, his grandkids, no relationship. And after God found him, he's been in AA. Tomorrow night, he invited me to come and celebrate his 30 years of sobriety. They're doing this big event for him. It's pretty cool stuff. And as we were talking, this is someone that I, I barely know. He just said, it is by the grace of God. And here's the truth. There are people that are far away from God without hope. And for those of us who know Jesus, we have hope. One of our responsibilities is to partner with Jesus and to move them from being far to being close. If it's Jesus's mission, it's my mission. That's what Jesus came to do. If it's Jesus' mission, it's my mission. Let's continue. Verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. Say one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one, say one, one. new people from the two groups. Together as one, say one. one. There's a theme here, isn't there? One body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Did you hear that? Conflict does not mean we have to be hostile. I'll say that one more time. That's one we don't usually get really excited about. But conflict does not mean that we have to be hostile. Why? Jesus put it to death. We forget how powerful the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was. He put hostility to, to death, it says. I love that. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. If you're in your Bibles, you should write amen really big because you're not shouting it. There should be joy and excitement because God has made a way for you and for me where there was no way. You are sons and daughters. And because you're a son or a daughter, you know what you get? Direct access to the Father. A few weeks ago, I was in a meeting and... Uh, Someone tried to come in and was wanting to meet with me and Pastor Cheryl, or Pastor Cheryl, Cheryl, we'll call you Pastor Cheryl. She's not, Cheryl might as well be. She does such a great, doesn't Cheryl do a great job? She's amazing. <laughs> Cheryl, uh, she's, my, she's my assistant and um, someone was trying to, to come in and talk to me and she said, hey, not yet. She did such a good job of not letting this person just come in and interrupt the meeting, all this stuff. But then, you know, just a, a day later, she, she let somebody get by. I was like, you know, I don't know if we should let this person in. And you know who the, you know who the person was? It was Taters. <laughs> Dad! So good to see you! 
Why does he have access? He's my son. Some of us forget you have access to the father. Oh, it's not the right time. I don't want to bother him with these types of things. No, 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 no. I'm just telling you right now, my kids know. They always have access. Relationship changes everything, doesn't it? I'll be in meetings with people, and most of the time before we start, I say this. Hey, my phone is right here because my wife and I have a deal. If she calls, I answer. And there'll be many times where I'll be talking, and she'll call me, and I'll say, hey, sorry, and they'll look at me, and I'll answer the phone. Why? She's got access. And all the husbands in the house say, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And why is that so important? Because some people believe lies about God that he's not close. He's far away. But because of what Jesus has done, you now have direct access to the Father. Why, why is that so important? Because unity in the body of Christ requires that we are close to him. I'm going to say it a different way, and this is your, your big idea if you're, if you're taking notes. Christ as my anchor makes unity possible. I'm going to say that again. Christ as my anchor makes unity possible. And I want to see how this happens in verse 19. It says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made a part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. How many are thankful for the word of God? I want to pray for you because I just believe the Holy Spirit's got some things to speak through his word. And I want to pray that we would have Eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to respond to the gospel today. Amen? Because I don't think we're just here on accident. I don't think we're here just to get through another entertaining thing. I think we're here to meet with Jesus. I think we're here to be transformed by his word. I think we're here to see God do miracles this morning. Amen? So would you pray with me? Father, right now I pray that your word would do what only your word could do. That it would be living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray for soft hearts today. That if there's anything in our lives that need to be corrected, shaped, or changed, that your word would transform it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our big idea this morning, Christ as my anchor makes unity possible. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's possible. It's possible. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's possible. Ooh, some of you did the voice inflection too. That was great. Good job. <laughs> it's possible. Christ as my anchor is what makes unity possible. See, the truth is we live in a world that's not anchored, don't we? And what ends up happening is when you don't have an anchor, a firm foundation, something to hold on to, you end up looking like this picture I want to show you. Some of you know what that is. That's the there we go. We were like, I know exactly what that is. I was just curious. Raise your hand if you've been there. Has anybody been? Oh, wow. We have a lot of travelers. That's awesome. You've been there. Pretty stinking cool. Well, I wanted to read something to you, which I thought was interesting as I looked it up. 
There's one, there's uh, actually three buildings that are next to it. I only show uh, just two. Um, but the Tower of, of Pisa is a freestanding bell tower and is known uh, for its nearly four degree lean. The result, and this is the part I want you to remember, the result of an unstable foundation. From the moment it was built in the 12th century, it began to sink and lean. And they've actually had to do, and it got all the way down to um, almost seven degrees, about the place where it's going to tip. And they have actually had to go back and fix it over and over to keep it from completely collapsing. What people fail to realize, and we kind of just read this in verse 20, if Jesus is not your cornerstone, that's what you look like. You were meant to be a firm foundation. That song we sang, Firm Foundation, where it talks about when winds and waves and storms blow and they're, should, they're knocking other people down. As believers, you should not be knocked down. You have a cornerstone. Why is the cornerstone such a powerful metaphor in Scripture? It's because it is the block by which everything else is built upon. Because that block is true, because it is solid, because it is exactly where it's supposed to be, you can base your life off of that. The problem is so many people have no cornerstone. In fact, the Jewish leaders, they, it says that they actually rejected the cornerstone. Wow. Isn't that the world we live in? Literally shaking their fists at God saying, no, I don't need you. I don't want you. And as believers, the reason that we can promote and build unity is because we have a relationship with Jesus. He's your anchor. He's your cornerstone. For me personally, one of the reasons, that, one of the ways this was modeled to me, I had, and I've, I've, actually my very first Sunday, I talked about my grandma Marion. And when there was a fight on a basketball court, she would speak in tongues. When there was almost, quote unquote, a car accident, she would yell the name of Jesus and speak in tongues. Sometimes I wasn't sure if there was a car accident coming or not, but she would just start shouting the name of Jesus and speak in tongues. One time my uncle Bob, uh, Shea's dad, he dove into uh, a lake um, and uh, he thought it was really deep, but it was only about a foot deep of water. And he landed straight into, on his head, just like this, and fell over. They pulled him in. His face was turning blue, not breathing. Looked like he was going to die. He, she started speaking in tongues, calling on the name of Jesus in the boat. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her and, and said, grab him and start massaging the certain part on his back. And she did. And as she started massaging his back and pushing on it, there, apparently there was, um, the neck had seized to the point where he was unable to breathe. And as she massaged and spoke in tongues, he began to breathe and came back to life. Isn't that amazing? No formal training, no idea what to do. The Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, do this. They took him to the hospital and they were worried that he would have some, some, some serious problems. No issues. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truths. And not only will he do that, but he will reveal Jesus to you. And when you get a revelation of who Jesus is, guess what? He becomes your anchor. And we have a ministry because Jesus is our anchor, we have the same ministry that he has. And you know what that is? To help people who are far from God come near to God. 
But how, how do we do that? Because I think we got to be real with this. We can't just say, yes, I want to help people be far from God, be close to God. What, what does that really look like? And th that's what I want to talk to you about today is if Christ is my anchor and he makes unity possible, how do we help others get close to Jesus? Number one, if you're taking notes, the number one thing you have to do for yourself is get closer to Jesus. You know, one of the most convicting things is the Bible says that I can get to, as close to Jesus as I want to. That's good news, but it's also kind of scary. You know why? Because I'm not as close as I should be to Jesus. Anybody else think we have some progress to make in getting closer to Jesus? We all are not done. All of us have places to go and get closer. And that's why I just want to remind you at the end of service today, we're going to have a little extra time of worship and prayer. I want to invite you even now, start asking the Lord, what areas in my heart do I need to get closer to you? And, and the reason is because people will try and knock you off your foundation. If you're not close to the foundation in Christ Jesus, you'll get knocked over too. We, we say it like this, that person made me lose my witness. Or that event, I, I'm sorry, I lost my testimony. I went back to the old ways. And not to say that we're not people that are fallen and broken. Sometimes we make mistakes. But what I am saying is the closer you are to Jesus, the stronger your foundation is so that when things happen, you can stand firm. You have a name to call on. You have a language to pray with. You have authority in Jesus' name to be who God has called you to be. And, and to be honest, I want, as your pastor, I want to commission you, church. It's our responsibility to call on the name of Jesus. It's your, some of the saints in the house, it's your responsibility to bring unity in the body of Christ. And verse, seven, in verse 17, it says, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us, someone say all. All of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for you. Christ as my anchor makes unity possible. This is why we can love God, present hope, and develop people. It's all because of Jesus. We're part of his body. Did you remember what verse 21 said? Let's put it up there for a second. Verse 21, it says, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. The second thing is, first, you've got to be closer to Jesus. Second one is we're going to be closer to each other. Now, when I say closer to each other, I want to I ask you to do something for me. You ready? I, can you shake yourself for a second? Just kind of go like this. Some of you are like, oh, I'm not really sure. All right, well, looky, all right, we're, we're loosening up. If I was to ask, now you don't have to, but it'd be kind of fun if you would, every single person right now to scoot to the very center of your pew and get as close as you can to that person, even if you never met him, like you're, I'm talking, you can smell, oh, we got some people moving. You don't all have to, but something like just get super close, super close. Some of you are moving. All right, it's okay. You can squish in. Now some of you are like, I don't know them. Come on, get even closer. So they're like, ah, I'm good. Husbands are excited. Their wife's snuggling up. Put your arm around your wife. Come on. Now, stay close just for a second. Here's what I found. Keep going. Come on, some of you are like, I don't know. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, hi. I'm really close. 
I can smell that cologne now. You want a tic-tac? You see, the struggle is when we say we need to get closer together, oftentimes, if you're like me, that's the image I have. I gotta be uncomfortably tight. Oh no, he doesn't want me to go to another relationship gathering where I gotta talk to people. Ah! You see, the lie is that coming closer to Jesus, see, some of us are like, I gotta spread out, I can't do this. <laughs> the lie is that unity looks like conformity. I'm gonna say that again. The lie is that unity looks like conformity, that I gotta be just like everybody else. I gotta be close and tight, uncomfortable, and I just gotta be around everybody. I just want it. I wanna tell you something that as I was praying about it, I believe that coming closer and being unified looks more like this a beautiful mosaic where you and I, it's not about being scrammed in together but actually perfectly placed in the body of Christ, united under him with your unique gifting, your unique background, your unique divine design, your heritage, your history. Every little detail that makes you you is supposed to be perfectly fitted in the body of Christ. Why? So that we can reflect the image of God to the world. So my prayer for Portland Christian Center is that every single person would understand who they are in the body of Christ and get serving. Why? Because that's your ministry. And your ministry is to help people who are far away from God come close to him. And we are all his hands and feet and designed to work perfectly together to present the gospel. But here's the thing, when conflict happens, when someone says something or it doesn't, doesn't just sit right, the most natural tendency is to do what? Get back to far away, isn't it? And today I wanna to remind you that unity is possible when Christ is your anchor. Christ as my anchor makes unity what? possible. If I could have the worship team go ahead and come up, I want to I close with this. In, in the Bible, there's a story, and you, we probably all heard it. It's in Luke. It's called the prodigal son. Have you heard that story? And, and it's such a powerful story because what most people don't recognize when you read it is that the father loves his boys. He's got one who plays by all the rules and one who doesn't obey any rules. And the younger one, when he obeys and he runs away, when he says, I want my inheritance early, you know what he's actually saying? Dad, I wish you were dead. That's what he's saying. I reject you and I wish you were dead. So he takes his money, squanders everything, and it says that he comes to his senses. Boy, I'm praying for that for some people. Maybe you are too. Some people that you know that are far away from God, would they come to their senses? Some of us here that have family, would they come to their senses? 
But here's the heart of the Father. I, I want you to see this. Is, this is just so powerful. Some of us here, because God feels far away, that he's distant, that things are just not right. There's sickness, there's disease, there's pain. There's people that have said and done things intentionally that have hurt me. And I'm off in this place and I'm like, man, I am so just done. I want to cancel. I want to run. I want to be done. Everything within my flesh says, I don't want to come closer. I thought I was part of the most beautiful mosaic of the body of Christ, but they've rejected me. I, I just don't want to be a part of this. Too much drama, too much mess, too much pain. And we sit and we're hurt. And then I love what it says. In Ephesians 2, it says, while you and I, or while the, while the boy was far off. Do you know what it says? The father stood up and ran to his son. When a Jewish audience would hear that, they would be so offended because patriarchs don't run. They walk. You know what he's saying? I'm looking for you to simply turn your heart towards me and I will run to you. That's the mission God has for you. That's the mission God has for all of us. Portland Christian Center, one of the things that I want is my microphone to work. <laughs> I don't know why it's happening. There we go. Are we back? Portland Christian Center, one of the things I'm praying about for all of us is that we would have the heart of the Father. You know why? Because the ten temptation is to be the older brother. The older brother looks with contempt and says, I've done everything right. Why would you celebrate the sinner who's come back? The closer you get to Jesus, the more his values come in your life. You see, what people don't realize is the older brother had a problem too. He wanted his father's stuff, but he really didn't want the father. You see, today, the prayer is for every single one of us to fall in love with Jesus one more time. To allow the Holy Spirit to soften your heart one more time. Would you stand with me? I just believe that there's work in the, from the Holy Spirit. He's gonna do something in your life. Would you close your eyes right where you're at? I just believe there are people here in the house. They don't know God. Maybe you're online. And the prodigal son story is kind of hitting home because you know you need to come back to God. I love how Ephesians says, once you were far away from him, now Jesus has made it possible for you to be united with God. If you're here this morning and it's time to come home, online or in the house, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you right where you're at. Thank you. I see that hand. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. That's amazing. I see that hand. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? We got a couple hands up. That's amazing. Maybe there's more online. 
Would you repeat this prayer? The whole church, everybody in the building, would everyone repeat this prayer after me? Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for chasing after me. I give my heart to you. I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's praise the Lord for the people that came back to God today. So Portland Christian Center, I wanna invite you to do something with me. We're gonna sing this song, Firm Foundation. And I wanna encourage you today to draw near to God. Take one more step. For some of you here, I think that means you're comfortable, but growth happens when we're uncomfortable. Maybe it means getting out of your pew and just come and kneeling before the altar and praying. Maybe it means standing and worshiping. Maybe it means kneeling at your pew, but here's what I want you to do. Ask the Holy Spirit, is there an area that I'm not close to you that I need to get closer? Is there an area that I need to get closer to you? I know I have a step that I want to make. There's things that he's still calling me to lay down at his feet. There's still places and moments with Jesus that I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss any moment that Jesus has for me. Anybody with me on this? Does anybody want to miss something that Jesus has for you? I don't think so. So here's what I want to challenge you. Would you just close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me Jesus. Show me Jesus. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of going through the motions. My heart needs to be softened and molded and transformed by you. I just want to invite you, church, as we get ready to sing, he's your firm foundation. Go ahead and start. I think there's people that need to come to the front. I just sense in my spirit, God's going to meet you as you take a step of faith. Go ahead and start coming to the front. God's going to meet you right where you are. And as we sing this song, he is your firm foundation. He's going to meet you right where you're at. So Father, I pray as we worship you, may you touch us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.